Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today we have Ashley Seeley. Ashley was in my Radical Responsibility Mastermind during COVID. So it was a little bit of a chaotic time. I watched her transformation and what she went through and how she embraced vulnerability and how she shows up. She has a beautiful way of writing and combining pictures and really sharing her story, and her vision. We talk all about ownership and vulnerability and showing up and what does worthiness look like? What does self-love look like? And how she worked through times in her life where she was dealing with some really personal difficult issues and having to get herself up off the floor in order to be able to be the best mom that she could for her kids in order to be the best person, the best leader that she could be in their lives and in her life. And now what this looks like and what it's, how it's going to unfold and how she is, has women from all over reaching out to her to say, you've made such an impact and I love what you're saying and I love what you're doing. So we talked everything, blame, ownership, fault, how you process through some of those emotions this will go down as one of my favorite episodes because I know what it's like to be in Ashley's shoes and be in the early stages of sharing and almost overwhelmed with the vulnerability hangover of everyone's comments. And at the same time, you know that your message is meant for more and you have to do something and you keep showing up and you keep showing up. And that's what she did here. I asked her a week ago if she wanted to be in the podcast she jumped at it, said yes. She went in, filled out her forms, and then it was like, oh, holy crap, moment, what am I going to do? Once you have taken that moment of fear and you've jumped in, you can't turn back. You have to keep going, and that's exactly what she did. So I know you will love this episode. I really want you to tune in, listen to it, and pour tons of love Ashley's way because this is exactly what this podcast is about. When you learn to own your choices, you truly truly on your life. So grateful for you, Ashley. Welcome to the show today, Ashley. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm really excited, but nervous to but be nervous. here. It's all good. What you can't hear at home is that we've had many, many, many interesting Zoom complications tonight that has made it an interesting start to the podcast. Take what? 78. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. This is, we have to have a sense of humor. Oh, Ashley is, I'm just really excited to jump in with you and your story and talking more about you, what it's like to be in the early stages of making 
changes and vulnerability and what that looks like and how it can bring so many incredible things into your life. So are we ready to do this? Let's see how this works this time. Perfect. I'm ready. Okay. Tell us what your favorite book is. I know you're a reader. I am. Uh, my favorite book right now probably has to be Untamed mm -hmm. for sure. Um, I listened to it first during um, or on audiobooks. I had that recommended to me and it was amazing. It's like, it just reads, she reads it directly to your soul. Mm -hmm. um, also have really loved The Four Agreements and The Alchemist. You can't go wrong with The Four Agreements. I really believe everybody has to read it. I, I think it's a real... It's a really important book to read, but I would say this year so far, Untamed is one of my favorites that I've read. Let's talk a little bit about your, a mentor, somebody who's made an impact in your life. Actually, you are one of my mentors and Kelly Thorne is my other. I am on this path because of the two of you. So thank you. Oh my God, you're so welcome. And this is exactly why I need those reminders that there are lots of people out there who have a story who are ready to do something with it. They might, just might not know how, and that's fine. But it's just, you'll find you're going to get to points where it's like, I can't stop now because it's not about me anymore. It's just not about me. It's about what can this story do? Let's talk a little bit about your favorite quote. Um, so quotes actually have a bit of a special meaning to me. Um, in the beginning, Quotes were actually what I used to kind of get me out of a slump. I would just pick a quote and I would attach a photo of me to it. Mm -hmm. um, I'll be honest when I say that I didn't really love photos of me. I didn't really love much of myself kind of anywhere. So to attach a photo to a quote was a big deal. So I ended up with hundreds actually that I really liked. But in the last little bit, one that really speaks to me a lot is um, you could do hard things, mm -hmm. um, which is the Glenn Doyle quote. Um, I use it as you can do hard things. We can do hard things. I can do hard things. There's a whole bunch of them. Um, but my absolute most favorite is Gandhi's um, Be the Change that you wish to see in this world. One of my favorites. It's on my wrist every single day. Love this one. Um, can you share a little bit about what brings you joy, what lights you up, what drives you, what keeps you going when it's not always easy to keep going. Uh, brings me joy is a big one. Obviously, my kids. Mm -hmm. uh, my kids are the reason I... I'm here, but I've also come to learn that it is about me. It has to be about me. So love my kids. My kids bring me joy, but now I'm finding joy in me and what I do. And honestly, it's other women right now. It's weird that I enjoy being vulnerable because it makes them come to me and open up. And that's what's driving me right now. Never no, expected that. I was just going to say, I, just, I knew that was your next word is... You know, let's talk a little bit about two words I want to talk to you about and have you share with. What comes to mind when you hear the word ownership? It just means like owning my life, mm -hmm. owning my choices, which mm -hmm. comes from you. I spent a lot of time blaming other people for the way my life was going and what was happening and mm -hmm. the route my life took. It didn't work anymore. So I had to own it. I had to make my choices myself. I love it. And do you find other moments when it's like, oh, you just get frustrated? Do you have a thing that you use to help you to shift your thinking in the moment? Or is it just, um, how, how do you do that? Truthfully, it's a lot of processing. I think that I would use, I used to say that I would shut down 
and I would just kind of block everything out. And I don't think I shut down now. It's more of a process. It's mm-hmm. just a, what do you want, Ashley? Where are you going? Stop. How can you change this? Something that oh. I actually remind myself often about is that it truly is all on how I take it. So I own every feeling that I have. I love it. And that also means that it's okay to have bad days. It's okay to have bad moments. It's okay to be frustrated. Like people think and take it that we mean that it's all sunshine rainbows and we're happy. And I'm like, no, it's, you're going to have bad days. It just, there's nothing wrong with you for having them, but maybe you don't stay in that space as long as you used to before. So that's the first word I want to ask you. Second word is what does vulnerability mean to you? That word was terrifying, scary, like a word that I avoided in the beginning. And now that word is like, huh, what else can I say (laughs) to get people talking? (laughs) Okay. So if you have not read any of Ashley's, any of her stuff online, you need to, because she has found a beautiful way to be vulnerable and not ever come across as a victim, which I love. I think I think that's the beautiful power, whether you realize it or not, is you have found a way to do that and mesh that with your story. So I think that's really powerful. We're going to come back to the vulnerability. Can you share a little bit wherever you want to go with your journey and what that has looked like over the last couple of years? Because if there's somebody I can think of who has taken full ownership for where things are for herself and for her kids, I, you are the first picture that comes to mind. This is difficult for me. I haven't had to replay kind of where everything started um, necessarily. You wherever you want. It's all, yeah. all good. So I think that I would actually go back probably to my teenage years. I've done a lot of diving into my story thanks to the Radical Responsibility Mastermind. Yes. <laughs> Even though I didn't want to do it, I did it. Um, and I think I do put a lot back to those years where I wasn't, I didn't value myself. I didn't find myself worthy. So I kind of just went along with life as it was. Like I was never, I was content. I was satisfied. I was okay. Those are the words that I would use to describe it. So I just went with emotions. Over the last couple of years, I would say that um, a relationship that I was in for 16 years, so um, obviously back to those high school years, it kind of took the codependent route. It, I wouldn't necessarily say that it was super healthy. Mm-hmm. And then some other stuff came up. Life got a little bit more difficult. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're raising kids and you're trying to pay a mortgage and you're trying to do everything and life gets in the way, basically. Messy. Yep. It gets messy and complicating and hard. And that happened. So in 2018, I was on my kitchen floor. My life almost changed overnight, Mm -hmm. basically overnight. I was no longer a spouse. I couldn't live the life that I had been able to live before. And I had to figure out that that I just, it wasn't for me anymore. The life that I had, that I'd worked hard for, that I didn't want to let go of actually wasn't serving me anymore. So when I figured that piece out, that it wasn't serving me, it wasn't doing me any good. I didn't know what the next step was, but I knew that a step had to happen. Mm-hmm. So in 2018, that's where my journey began. And I didn't know what it was, but now I know that it was like a journey to find me, a journey to love myself, um, a journey to feel worthy of lots <laughs> and to just own my life, to make my own choices and find joy. 
fulfillment. I got all these words now that I never used to even I know before. Just, yeah, I'm already speechless and we're like 15 minutes in. I just I love all of that. I love all of that. I think that that's, it's great. There's nothing wrong with having a two-year journey to come to find who you are. We can have a lifetime journey of doing that. It's, it's coming to that space. So you had a moment on your kitchen floor. You had a moment where you knew what you were doing wasn't working, that you had to do something different. You couldn't change your circumstances. Like you had to change yourself. Can you just share a little bit about what those first couple steps were like? Like, how do you do, like when you are in, if you're listening, if somebody's listening and they're like, yeah, I was just on the floor last night. Like, how do they, what are those next few steps that you have to take? Truthfully, I did not let that floor touch me again. (laughs) And that was a big thing for me. I refused until recently to sit on the floor. So like literally, really literally sit on the floor because I felt like if I stayed on the floor, it was like there and it would consume me. So yeah. So I, instead of letting myself melt down on the floor, I started running around my house. I put headphones in when my kids went to bed and I'd run up and down the stairs. And that was kind of my first thing was like, okay, if I need to cry and I need to melt down, my kids are already in bed. The floor can't find me. This, what else can I do? So that was it. Um, another couple steps I took was, um, I've learned on my journey that I had a lot of people. I have a lot of support, like an overwhelming amount of support. Mm -hmm. Um, They say often in like separation and hard times, you lose people. And that did not happen for me. It was the opposite for me, but I didn't accept any of them. I pushed everyone away in my struggles. Um, I would pretend, well, not pretend, I loved them, but I wasn't worthy in my opinion of their relationships. Is that why you pushed them away? Is that yes? About it now. Did you have a feeling of that? I have to be the strong one, and I don't need this. But thank you for like just thank you. But yes. politely yeah. just push them away because you wanted to. You were the strong one who could just do it yourself. Yes. Yeah, I was could that, just do it on my own. Was it okay? So a lot of women do this about wanting to do this on our own, which I think is ridiculous. But is there also a stamp? Let's be real. Is there also a point where it was like? I'm pushing away because I don't want to let them in. Like, I don't want to let people in to see how hard this work is. Yeah. Uh, It was terrifying. Mm -hmm. And honestly, the day that I had to start admitting to people, like I remember vividly the day that I walked into my kindergarten class and had to close the door and tell my coworker, the person that I had worked with every single day for five years that my life was a mess and falling apart. Mm -hmm. Like I had held it in for so long. So yes, it was a worthy piece that I wasn't worthy of the friendships. I wasn't worthy of the love, but it was also, if I let them in, what happens? Mm -hmm. It's almost like the bricks start crumbling and it's like, I can't hold this shit together anymore. If I start, once I let one in, I'm like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. Did you also notice when you started to share, how did the weight of the bricks start to feel? Like, did you start to feel like, okay, maybe this isn't as heavy as what I was making it. Maybe I was making it harder by trying to carry the world on my, and do it by myself. What did you yeah. do? So definitely in the very beginning when I started to let people in, it was that vulnerability. I know no, it's, it's called a vulnerability hangover. So Huge. it felt really tough and really scary. But the more that I opened up and the more people that I talked to, I understood that 
you know, there was so much love and support and understanding that I really just needed to let them in. Mm-hmm. And what, what does it feel like when you start to let people in? Scary, mm-hmm. but amazing at the same time, mm-hmm. because you realize they really truly are there for you. See, and that's, I love that you said that because a lot of people think that, well, they're there out of pity, like sympathy, sympathy versus empathy. And I think I had a friend really break this down and point it out. And it, it made sense to me in the sense that in the beginning, when you start to share a story, or if you think of somebody, when there's somebody who passes, a lot of time it's like, I'm sorry for your loss, sorry for your loss, like sorry for your loss. Or it's just, there's not there. So sympathy is, for example, is if I, join that party with you. Like if I am like, you know, bitching all out about what's going on, I feel so badly for you. That doesn't change where you're at and it doesn't help you. But when you start to open up and receive, all of a sudden you get people who give you empathy, which they at the same time are become the people who they don't pull you down into the gutter. They actually help you to rise up. And that's, I've really found the difference between the two, I didn't really understand. I've read it, but I didn't understand it. And I can see who in my life really can give me empathy when I need it, but it's not sympathy. Does that make sense? Yes. And I actually, like probably in the last six months have really learned the difference of that as well. Huge. It's a huge difference. So you have been building, like right now, if you think of this life, like you've been, life has changed for you. And it has not been easy. I know that. I'm not even going to try and pretend that it has. I want you to, and I know I've watched firsthand the changes you've gone through in the last six months, and it's like I don't recognize you. So as a teacher, you kind of go from COVID, world shuts down, and then you start to go through all these changes, and then you go back to school, which is something you love doing. But you can see how much you've changed in that time span. So I know it's just been all exponentially to watch it, which is, I love watching. I want you to take people to the point where you talked about the pictures and quotes and what that actually meant to you and how that helped you to create some shifts. Um, One of the big things when I spent a lot of time on the floor trying to figure out what to do. And then when I started running around the house, one of the big things that I kept coming back to was that I didn't love any part about myself nothing. And I didn't really have a reason for that. Like other people loved me, right? Like I have taught figure skating for years. I'm a preschool coach. I volunteer with kids. Like I, I think people like me, but I didn't like myself. I wasn't willing to accept any of what they were giving me. Mm -hmm. So the big thing that I realized I needed to fix first was to accept it, to receive it. And the way that I knew how to start was to like looking at myself. I didn't like my appearance. Mm -hmm. So I would find a quote that would speak to me and then I would take a selfie. I'm awful at selfies. Sometimes I would have my sister fix it. So that I actually don't agree with that. But anyways, yes, go ahead. (laughs) And so then I would attach that photo to the quote. And it wasn't until probably I'm going to say six to eight months into like where my journey started for me that I actually posted one online. And it was just like a picture of me um, wearing this beautiful hat my sister gave me, like very Audrey Hepburn look. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember exactly what the quote was, but it was just about loving yourself. And I got a reaction to that from people that was like, oh, 
wait a minute, like it isn't supposed to be all about the appearance, but if I don't love myself at all, where do I start? And for me, that's where my start was. Mm-hmm. I think that so. that, I think those words themselves resonate with a lot more people and, and more so that people, it resonates with them, but they're almost like, oh crap, that actually does resonate with me, but I don't want to say that it resonates with me. Like it's, we are not in this space. We're in a space of sure, you know, put the right filter on, put the picture, get it set up, get the angle, get the lights, whatever. It doesn't mean anything if you don't love who you are and what you're doing. So I think that there's that massive self-worth piece. I love that you went through that process, that you were finding something that worked for you at that time. And you were open to trying something. But I love that you also said that you're looking at, you know, six to eight months. It's It was work to work your way yeah. through that. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. Let's talk a little bit about vulnerability because if there's anything like that you have done, you have found an incredible way to be vulnerable with your posts, to share a picture that makes you stop. And then on top of it to, I have always talked about like standing in versus standing on your story. And I'm not always very good at explaining it. I'm going to be totally honest. But being in your story is a victim. Like being on it means that you're almost reflecting on the lessons that you've learned. And there's something that you do with your writing that just speaks right to that. Like I don't see you ever come across as a victim. You're very real in your posts, very, very real and vulnerable. So take us through um, maybe one of your first vulnerable ones that you remember. Like what was it like and what made you hit post? Actually, truthfully, it was probably the very beginning of COVID. I have the ability to see, it's weird. I don't know. I, I think going, yeah, going through struggles, I have the ability now to see it in other people. Like they don't even have to say anything to me mm-hmm. and I see it. Mm-hmm. So I really saw it during COVID. And when things changed for me, I really struggled with the no control piece. I had literally no control over anything in my life. And for years, that's what I grasped. What I held on to was that control. So suddenly when it was like literally yanked out from under me, I had nothing, nothing left. I had no control over anything. And so when COVID happened, I saw all of my people, coworkers, family members, everybody I could see the no control piece in them, even Very. if I don't even know if they saw it. Mm-hmm. So there, there was a big post and it was literally a picture of my feet on my kitchen floor because I let myself sit there now. Um, <laughs> and it was, <laughs> that was my first one. And the amount of people that just responded to that was like, whoa, okay, wait a minute. I think, I think I'm on to something here. I don't know what it is, but there's some, mm. something here. Yeah, there's something about it that spoke. To, I actually remember that post that spoke to people. It's been pretty much, I mean, there's always some that speak more than others, but there have been a fairly continuous amount of people who have really watched your post, commented, and you started getting comments. Like, you know, I said, when you start to, I told everyone in the, in the program, when you start to share vulnerable posts, you're going to start to get messages in your DMs from people that you don't know. And as soon as that starts to happen, you realize that your message is going further and your message isn't necessarily meant for you. And you started to get some of those. I did. Yes. And then I would also have people, um, like, honestly, um, 
from years ago, like when I coached figure skating, I would have people reaching out to me and just people from my past that, you know, are, are still people that I care about, but haven't spoken to in years, suddenly mm-hmm. they're popping up. And, you know, old coworkers, again, from years ago are popping up and, you know, with so much kindness, mm-hmm. and so much like we love what you're doing. It's interesting, isn't it? Because there's a fear when you go to post something vulnerable, there's a fear component where it's like, oh my God, can I do this? Like, I don't know if this, when you do that, sometimes when you hit post, it's that nauseous feeling like I can't look, I, I just can't look right. So when you do yeah. that, yeah, those, those moments, I mean, it's, it's real, isn't it? It's scary. It is. And I hide. I, I was just, <laughs> and <then> hide. <laughs> it's okay. We, we ask them not to, but we all do it. Don't worry. We actually, we all do. Um, is that one of your first reactions? Like how is that, are those feelings becoming less and less than when you first started? Like, Oh my God, I posted, I have to hide. Yes. It's, it's becoming less, but I am not quite to the point of responding yet. I definitely let it sit. I do read them now in the beginning. Like I didn't read them for like a week and I would get messages. Like my aunt is a huge supporter of mine and she'd be like, Ash, did you see what this person's saying? I'm like, no, I didn't actually because I can't open it right now. So now I can open it (laughs) and I can look, do I respond yet? No, but I'll get there. (laughs) You'll get there. And that's all part of the receiving too, right? It's one thing to receive from people who have supported you through your challenging times. It's another, when you start receiving comments from people that you're like, I don't know who that is. Like, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know who that is. It's a very interesting experience. And then what's going to happen is you're going to start to build this army of supporters, which you know you already have, but a really, a really strong army of supporters online that you get one person who makes a comment that isn't always nice. It's in a very judgmental way. And then all of a sudden people started, I went last week and somebody sent me a screenshot. They're like, if you don't respond to this, I'm going to. And I'm like, okay, calm down. (laughs) We all don't need to jump all over like Facebook and scream at each other. It's all good but it will happen. And then you're going to get messages from people. And then sometimes people will jump in and say something. The thing is, is that you start to like, you're ruffling feathers. That's how we change our thinking is we've got to, we got to disrupt things, right? We have to change how we're thinking. We're not being rude. If we're all going to say the exact same thing online, nothing is going to change. It's not just vulnerability that I see with you. I see also that you are, like you're talking about the things that people don't want to talk about. So that is going to disrupt things. That is going to challenge that. Have you had any comments come back to you where it's like, oh my gosh, I can't do this? Like any negative comments at all where you've had to process yourself? I did. And one actually um, contributed to um, a big realization in my story um, when I wrote it out in your program. Yeah. I didn't start from where I thought I should have started from, but I didn't know why I couldn't. And the comment I received made me first cry a lot because that's what I do. I get emotional. Yep. Yep. And I, and then I went, okay, but where is it coming from? How can I, I can't fix it. I can't go back. I don't even remember it. So I actually went back to those times in my life and was able to make a, like a huge, huge emotional discovery, which set me back for a little bit. It was a lot of processing. Okay. Um, but making that discovery has changed a lot for me since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that's really important. And I love that you looked at it and said like, where are they coming from? And what is this about? 
And then I see ownership where it's like, I think I have to go back and unpack something because something is not, does not add up. And you did. I know you went back. I know you had to really retreat and do some work. And then you just kind of come out the further side, which is exactly what you have to do. Um, exactly. So when you have a vulnerability moment, you walk away and then you get to come back into it. Is it getting easier to come back into those comments and easier to see the feedback? Cause it's, it is real. Like vulnerability hangovers are real. Like it's, it's incredibly real. It is. It's getting easier. Um, I still want to work on my responses a little bit. I'm, I'm a little bit hard on myself sometimes. Really? Um, so, really? <laughs> so sometimes I feel like I would like to do a little bit more um, response on the word I'm looking for. Um, but I, it'll come. It'll, it'll come. come. It'll yeah. come. The nice thing is like, you know, you can go back to a message that was two weeks ago and comment. I still have some that I want to go back through because I also want to give them the right attention and the right comments. And I just have to be in a space of doing that. We just launched the book cover today. Right. And I'm like, I'm looking at my, I looked at my phone before and I'm like, that's going to have to wait. Like I just don't have, I am almost, I'm super excited and grateful, but I'm almost a bit overwhelmed right now with just the comments and things that are there and people mean well, there's nothing wrong with what they're saying or doing nothing, but I have to step away from it a little bit because it's like, that's just a little bit overwhelming. So I understand that. Speaking of vulnerability, I have to do this because you know that I will. You did not want to do a video. You did not <laughs> want to do a video, did you? Can you, no. can you talk a little bit? I mean, yeah, Ashley's the client that I get messages from, I think two today. I don't like you today, so, which I actually <laughs> like. So it's all good. Tell us about the experience of the video. Like, I really want to hear what you went through before you actually did it. A lot of takes. Like, I legit think Be it honest. was 76 takes. Mm -hmm. um, and I would start it and stop it and start it and stop it. And then my kids would come in and be like, Mom, maybe you should give up. Or like, maybe you should try later. <laughs> like, they'd be rolling their eyes and laughing at me. And I just... I think I was trying to honestly be a little bit too scripted with it. And yeah. I also am still really working on that piece of like loving myself. So being on camera is difficult for me. Mm -hmm. um, so just, yeah, it was terrifying, honestly terrifying. And then I put it on there and I was like, Oh God, Oh God. <laughs> like people are going to be looking at this thinking, what is she doing? Like, what does she think is happening here? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing, but like Marsha says, I have to do it. So I'm going to do it. <laughs> and then I did it. And like a week later, there was a thousand views. Yeah, just a thousand. I was so like, like a thousand people have looked at my video. And, and it's not just, just let's just be real. It's not like a thousand hearts. You get a ton of comments on that video. I did. A, yes. a ton of comments and a ton of shares. And I think in this time, people are looking for real integrity, authentic vulnerability. I think they're looking for all of that. And I think that's what you showed in that video. I mean, in the end of the day, did you survive? You were good, right? I did. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to, but I did. <laughs> I know. You know what? Here's the difference is that you're taking those challenges. They might make you want to get sick. They might make you like really nauseous, but you do them. You do the And you know what? That's that actually different. is a, that's a big piece for me. Um, I didn't do anything. I was like consumed with fear before, like fear of what people would think when I would do something, fear of failure, like you name it. I was scared of it. Yeah. So now I don't let myself feel that fear. Like I actually use it as fuel instead. So when you say do it, I'm like, oh, 
Jesus, I don't want to do it, but I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) So consumed by fear, you take the fear and you're like, as soon as you feel it, then it's like, I really have to follow through with that. Is that what goes through? That is. Yeah. It's like, okay, why am I scared of it? Cause really mm-hmm. like you've done some hard crap. There isn't yeah. any reason for you to be scared of this. And that's no. kind of what I use. So it's my fuel literally. That's awesome. So when I asked you to be a guest on the show <laughs> and I gave you the form to fill out and I literally looked like minutes later, I'm like, okay, she filled it out. She obviously <laughs> is going to do this. And then I said, let's schedule it. And then you did, like you did the whole thing so fast. And then what was Mm -hmm. it like afterwards? I told some people close to me that I had agreed to it and I was pumped about it. And they were like, you know, so awesome. So great. And then today I wanted out. I wanted to run as far as I could run. And I didn't want my work day to end. I just (laughs) wanted to go to bed and I tried to get out of it. You tried did to try. A ridiculous lie. Yeah, you about did try. Not being ready to do it, and then I called Kelly, and I thought that Kelly would agree with me and let me talk myself out of it. And that Wait a didn't minute. happen. Let's just back that up. What did Kelly say? You can do it. Yeah, get on the phone. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You know, you are starting to really surround yourself with the people again who are elevating you, who are saying. No, no, no. You, you're, they're not saying, oh my God, you're right. You can't do this. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> Could you imagine? Like, that's just, oh, that's suffocating and sad. You want people who will elevate you, who will bring you to do that. So we aren't meant to do this on our own. And when we have those moments, we have to have people that we can call and say like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And then they say, you're going to be completely fine. You need to do, you know what I mean? And that's exactly what you're doing, which is awesome. So you talk to Kelly, everything's good. Then you send me a message. And how does that message go? How does it go? <laughs> well, you ask me if I want out of it because it's school and I'm busy or if I want out of it because I'm telling myself a story and I can't lie. So I had to say, I'm telling myself the story and I don't like you. I don't like you tonight. She, just, she does not like me tonight, but she's still here. And we have lots of Zoom complications and she's still here. She's still here. This is the thing, you guys, you can be afraid and you can still do it anyways. I think that if we can change or shift the expectations of what we think, that, you know, or we go back to the worthiness. Like, it's just like, I can't be, I can't do that. And the stories we tell ourselves, they keep ourselves so stuck. So I am super glad that you were here and that you did show up to do this. Like beyond proud of you. So proud of you for doing it. I want to know what do you need to do on a regular basis to be the best version of yourself? I need to run. (laughs) I need to see nature. I need to walk. Um, That actually is a very big piece for me in my healing as well in my journey. I actually want to talk about the unworthy piece in the friendship and pushing people away. I had a group of girls that I was close with um, over the years and like everything, I pushed them away and they reached out to me in January of 2019 and said, are you coming on a hike? And truthfully, I was like, no, I'm not. Cause like you guys just want to know about my life. My life sucks. I'm not going to go into nature with you and get lost. Like if you want to know, just like come sit at my house. However, it was one of my very first times without my children. And as a single mom, that's a big, big transition. Mm -hmm. So I forced myself on that hike. 
And I went and it was a game changer for me, a life changer. I realized that those people that I had pushed away for so long actually had so much to give me. And there was never, honestly, a single question asked. So they are a big piece of what I need in my self-care. I do a lot of running with them, a lot of hiking. Um, and then on my own, I do the walking and that kind of stuff. Um, Sometimes I feel a little bit selfish because my self-care does have to come first. And sometimes I am putting some of my needs or some of my things with my kids aside. But I know that if I don't, I am not the mom that they need anyways. Mm -hmm. So it's either I give a little bit for my self-care or I'm just not a good mom, in my opinion, right? As it is. I think that's really powerful. I'm glad that you went there. Because it's a case of you are the sole, technically the sole parent. You decide how what what version of you they get, right? So you have to take care of you so that they get the best version of you. Even if that means like sometimes it maybe that means that they lose half an hour, but they get you in a much better state and a much better you know attention that you can give them. And your own energy is everything. So it is, yeah, I think that that's really powerful that you went there. I think it's important that moms hear that. I definitely have moments where I stand and I am almost like, it's almost like an outer body experience when I look at the interactions I'm having with my children or my children's friends. And I think this is the life that I want Mm-hmm. that is the life that I did not want. Mm-hmm. I have to give a little bit to get here. But when I watch my relationships with them now, it is honestly like night and day. It's so amazing. It's because you're in a different state yeah. that it makes it easier to be the parent that you want to be. Yes. Yeah. And that's, I love that, that you say that and they, they deserve that. They absolutely deserve that. What would you give as the best advice you can give to a mom who's listening right now who says like worthiness or loving myself? What does that even mean? You have to find it. It is honestly a game changer. Mm -hmm. Um, I was definitely the person where I gave and gave and gave and gave. I gave to everybody and I never gave to myself. And eventually like the analogy is the tray was full Mm -hmm. and one little thing tipped that tray over and then the cup, you know, the cup was full and it's spilling like it just, or the cup was empty and it wasn't able to pour anymore. Like I just, I gave so much that I had nothing left. And as moms, we do that. We think that we have to give and give and give and give. And we do, that's our job. It's our job Mm -hmm. as our mom. But if we never give back to ourselves and we never fill ourselves up, then we, we don't have it to give. No, no. I think that that is, I really want that to land for moms. I really do. It took me a long time to understand that different scenario, but like my husband traveled a lot when the kids were little and I'd be gone for two weeks at a time. So it was day and night, day and night, day. When he came home, he'd be exhausted from traveling. Most of the time it was me solely. And I know it was like, I don't know if it was Saturday or Tuesday. I had no idea half the time because it was so chaotic. But a lot of times I would get up at five in the morning and do my videos on because I just needed to give myself something or I would put them in the stroller when they were younger and I'd walk for two hours because it's the only thing that saved my mental health. It was just my mental health needed to move. So I think that that's really, I think that's really important. I'm glad that you said that. The other thing I always find is that if you can put it in the context that as your kids get older, you want them to be able to give themselves what they need. 
if we have never modeled that in any way, shape or form, they don't know how to give themselves. They don't like, it's, it's almost like someone else is always going to come and fix it because that's what we've done. So yes. we want them to know that they can fulfill themselves, right? They can do, give themselves what they need and what they like to do. Yeah. And honestly, my parenting perspective in my journey has changed like tenfold to compare to what it was before. Like mm-hmm. I was going to be that helicopter parent. I was going to fix the world for my children so that they grew up with no problems. That is not life. It there is, is problems. <laughs> I love that you said that though. I love that you went there. That is something a lot of parents do, even if it's subconsciously. Mm-hmm. So did that shift during your own personal growth? Can you just like, do you remember just? it? Did, yes, it yeah. did. It was during my own personal growth because my parents are like, a lot of people have stories that connect back to their, mm-hmm. their own childhood. And I don't really, like, I don't have anything um, yeah. that's come up for me that has been a giant issue, you know, some things to work through. So for me, it was like, you know, how am I here? And like, if I didn't have anything going on, like, are my kids going to be here? Like my path went this way for a reason. Why did it go this way? Nothing my parents could have done impacted how my life went. So Mm -hmm. if I am that parent that does everything for my kids and fixes everything for my kids, is their life going to be perfect when they grow up? Mine wasn't. Right. I want them to have a perfect life. I want them to have great, fantastic experiences. But if it's not, do I want them to be able to figure it out on their own? Absolutely. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You want them to be able to problem solve because life is not going to go smoothly. I remember this conversation with one of, with my youngest and he was like, this is just hard. And I'm like, yes, it, it, it is. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's miserable, but it is hard. You just have to choose how you're going to respond to it. But if I ever gave you the, the picture that it was easy, like, I'm sorry about that. Cause that's not the truth. Like it's just not the truth, but it's, it's perspective wise. It, it doesn't mean I have to sit and complain about it, but there's going to be challenges when people say like, this is somebody was very, this is a, a number of months ago, but their brother was diagnosed with cancer, which was, it was terrible. And he was young. And this person kept saying like, why is this happening to me? And I sat there, it took me so long. And I was like, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to say anything. And I was like, it's actually not happening to you. It is happening Mm -hmm. to him. Like it's not happening to you. I really, please don't say that to him because it's not happening to you. Right. And she's like, you don't understand. And I'm like, I know I don't. Like, I, I know I don't. And that's okay. But it's that perspective, right? That it's not happening to it's not happening to us. It's what we yeah. do. Yeah. It's totally what we do. And that's a big piece that I've had to learn too. Like that brings me into the piece of like, what is yours to carry? Mm. Right. Like if I was to carry every single one of my family members and friends and coworkers oh, stuff on my shoulders, <laughs> I'd be on the ground. Right. Like I'd yeah. be flattened. So what is yours to carry and what is someone else to carry is a really big piece that I had to learn. As how well. did you figure that out? Like, how did you go through the process of figuring that out? My story um, involves a little bit of alcoholism and truthfully, Al- Al-Anon gave me a really great start. Um, mm-hmm. Just that, you know, giving me the courage to change and the ability to see that nothing else anything that isn't mine, isn't mine to carry. And that's, that's where it started. And then I've gone from there on my own to figure that out more. 
That's beautiful. I used to visualize, and I've, I've written up a few posts from like years ago about backpacks and what am I carrying in my backpack? And I would mentally go through this thing and I'm like, the wait, that's not mine. Nope. doesn't go in the backpack. Like it's not mine to carry. That one's not mine either. Oh, but this one is mine. Like I actually have to own this one. That one's totally mine. So it's just going through that process. Oh, it's such an experience. Where do you, don't overthink this. Where do you think your journey is going to take you? I don't know, but I know that my journey is taking me somewhere. I just have this feeling, this calling. I'm going somewhere, but I don't know where I'm going right now. Yep. And that's, and that's hard there. for me because I always just, have my ducks in a row. <laughs> you talked about control. I've got this circled on the paper. I don't like having, you know, no control and all these things. But it's great to be seen when you, it's not that you're being flippant and you're not, it's what you're doing is you're staying open. I think you're staying open for opportunity and for people and things that can come your way. Yeah. Like in the beginning of your program, I was like, I don't really know why I'm here. I think this is actually dumb. If I'm going to be like, I don't know why, why I agreed to do this, but I guess I can't really say no now. So I got to keep going. And then as I got, you know, further into it, I was like, oh, okay, like maybe I'm here for a reason, but I don't really know what the reason is. And now I'm motivated to do more, even if I don't know what the reason is. I would love, love to write a book one day because I am an avid reader. Mm-hmm. Don't know if I will, but you know, maybe one day I'll get there. And recently, uh, yes, you will. you will. Recently, I have like a desire to stand on stage and talk to women, which is big because I couldn't even post a video online. Oh my goodness. So there's no judgment here. I just, I wish if you could, if this is a message out to the people who went through the program with Ashley, like they're, I promise you when they're listening now, they're like, Oh my God, stage. Like, (laughs) but you said it and you put it out there and it will happen. It'll happen. And I know it will because your story is not, your lessons aren't meant for you anymore. They're not. They're actually not. They will help you through your moments where it's challenging, but they're not for you. That's why people are reaching out to you the way that they are. Like that's, that's literally why it is because they are seeing themselves in your story and going, how do I change? Like, I don't understand how to change. People don't know how to change. They really don't. And when you're dealing with really difficult stories like this, it's, it just, it feels like they're stuck in a sense, right? Of, I don't know what to do next. So if you could go back as like that best advice to maybe an Ashley, even a year or two before the kitchen floor, what advice would you give to a person who is in it, in the really chaotic state of, I can't figure this out and I'm trying to control everything and I don't even know what to do. I would say that Dr. Google lies a lot. So like, just don't even waste your time. Honestly, (laughs) Dr. Google lies. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, and like, do not be afraid to reach out. Um, there was definitely a really big stigma for me and I don't know where it came from. Um, of like reaching out even to counselors and to say that I need help. I just, I would give it for my kids. Like I would get my kids something, but I never felt like I needed that. And that was a big, big thing for me to be like, whoa, this is actually amazing. This is something that I need. So I would definitely say like, if you are feeling down and you don't know where to go, 
it is not bad to do that. It is the opposite. It is amazing. And I often say to people that will reach out to me, like the fact that you've reached out to me, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, is the first step because you realize there's something and you want more. Mm -hmm. Is it the fix? No, there's a lot of freaking work to do from that step, but making that step is big. So that's amazing. I think that's great advice. And I'm glad that you went there, that that's important. Can I ask one other word that goes with that? And I just, as you're speaking to somebody else who's listening to this, how do we process fault? Like we take on this guilt thing of like, this is my fault, or I should have been able to fix this, or it's a fault thing. And now if I ask for help, I'm embarrassed because like my family was a mess. Like how do I, how do we process fault or what, how would you speak to someone who is listening to this, who's trying to process fault? That is big for me, emotional for me, actually. I definitely blamed myself for the way life went for a really long time. But it's tricky because I also don't want to blame anyone else for the way life went. So is it easier to blame ourselves then? I think so. Mm -hmm. I think it's easier to blame ourselves. It's easier to be angry at someone else, if that makes sense. It does. But to blame yourself, it's just, yeah, it's still a piece that I'm working through. Mm -hmm. I do um, use the three C's a lot um, that stem from Al-Anon. I cannot, um, like, I can't control it. I can't cure it. And I can't change it, basically. Like, there is the serenity prayer is beautiful. It lays it out really nicely. Um, Those things that I use really often in every aspect of my life. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just important to know. They're good lessons to learn for anyone. And like it, regardless of your story, I've lived with the serenity prayer on my wrist for probably five years. I just kept getting a new bracelet that had the words on it. And I can't even tell you like how many times an hour I would have to stop. And I'd be like, okay, I cannot control. I cannot change. I would just literally say the words to myself. And it's when I think back to those times, that's what life was like. I just, I had to mentally reprogram myself that I was not, it wasn't my fault. I didn't do this wrong. This is how I have to respond. These aren't my choices. It's like such a pattern interrupt and repetition that I think um, people don't know how much work goes into that. And it's a lot. Yes. Yeah. It's a lot. Moving forward. I just, I can't wait to see how things unfold for you and what you do. Um, I believe wholeheartedly. And I said it to you. I don't even want to know how long you should go back and check your messages. I said, (laughs) I said, I can see you doing and helping women with like self-worth, self-love, um, really appreciating themselves and coming, learning to come from that space so that they can make change in their lives. So I can, do you feel that landing? Like, can you see that and feel that landing? I do. Yeah, I do. And I used to believe that, um, I was here for other reasons. Like maybe I was here to deal with women who were, you know, struggling in a bad relationship or, you know, dealing with addiction or mental health, like something like that. And while I love that aspect of it, just because I, Mm -hmm. I think that it's important to love yourself in that too. I think that you always have to start with the love for yourself. Oh, so it's just, yeah, that's my, 
I guess that's why it's speaking to me so much because mm-hmm. if you don't have that, you don't have anything. No, that's exact. I just think that that's such a beautiful piece to end that on. If you don't have that, you don't have, like you don't have anything. No, yeah, absolutely love it. Can you, um, where do you hang out the most in social media? Facebook, Instagram? It used to be Facebook, um, but I'm leaning more towards the Instagram now. I learned how to use hashtags <laughs> recently. <laughs> stories and all these things. It's pretty, I mean, yeah. it's a lot of fun when you really start to get out on it, but it's a bit overwhelming at first. If yeah. 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 Awesome. So I'll make sure people know where to reach you there. I want to know what lesson in life are you most grateful for? I... I'm most grateful for my struggle and my story Mm -hmm. because I don't think I would have the feelings of joy and just fulfillment, everything. I wouldn't have them without my story because I didn't have the ability to see compassion. I didn't have the ability to have empathy. I didn't have the ability to love me. So without my struggle and my story, I don't think I would have searched for them because I had those content, satisfied and okay words, mm-hmm. not what if, what in a positive way. Well, I am completely stumped, which is, doesn't happen very often. Um, I'm going to say that was really powerful, beautiful. And the way that I share with you is that's content. You're going to go back and listen to that. And anybody who's listening, they're like, I talk about content all the time. Words come out when we speak from the heart. Sometimes they just flow out. You're going to go back and listen to this podcast when it's done. And that last part is absolutely beautiful. When you can, when you can truly be grateful for your struggle because it brought you to a different level of joy, life experience, that is a huge, huge piece of growth because I am always saying we cannot love ourselves and hate everything about ourselves. We just can't. So the only way we can love ourselves is when we can appreciate what we've learned from our stories. And that's why I think it's so important that we take that anger, frustration, resentment out of our stories and take the lessons and know that it's made us who we are so that we don't have parts of ourselves that we hate because that it just will be hitting like brick wall and brick wall over again. So I just think there's, it's so beautiful what you just said there and it's going to land and you're going to love listening back to this, this podcast. I'm just, I'm super proud of you. You know, I say that and I don't say it lightly. I'm beyond proud of you. You jumped at this opportunity to do it. You have shared in a very vulnerable, beautiful state given people some tips of what to do, how to work through some of the self-worth, self-love and how to work through those challenges. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Is there anything else that you would like to add? I want to thank you, but I want to get there. First, I want to say that as a, you can do it. (laughs) That's what I want to say. I want to say to anybody listening that thinks I can't do what she has. I can't do what she did. I can't do what Marsh does. I can't do, I I just can't do it. You can do it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to use your language and say, stop using the story. (laughs) 
<laughs> I actually want to yell it. Stop <laughs> using this story because yeah. you can. And if you want it, it will happen. Mm-hmm. And I just, I want to say that because I would look at someone like you in my past and be like, first of all, nobody's that freaking happy. Nobody, you know, makes it work all the time, which there is. You know me enough now. Yes. There's always another another side, side. (laughs) but it's how you choose to react and your mindset. Um, but everyone can do it. Mm -hmm. Everyone can do it. And then the other thing is I want to thank you. I want to thank you for this opportunity. And I do want to thank the eight members of the radical responsibility mastermind and the grad program, because Honestly, they have seen me cry more than anybody <laughs> in the last little bit because I don't cry often anymore. <laughs> I used to. And honestly, I have always, I just, there's always a push for more from them and I need that sometimes. So thank we you all to everybody. Yeah. Oh my God. They are sending you lots of love. We all do. We all need that accountability. We all need that push. And I just think that we're doing that because there's so much more that we can do here. Like we, it allows us to step into a bigger sense of growth of who we are, who we can serve, who we can impact. And when you're surrounding yourself with people who are doing that and rising you up, like it's really powerful. So they're all cheering you on, I promise. And I can't tell you how many of them sent me the message. They're like, oh my God, is Ashley actually doing this? I'm like, she totally is. And I got another one from Kelly saying, she said she was, she's coming on, right? I'm like, she's coming on. So they're all cheering you on. And we love it. We love you. We're so proud of you. And we know that you are here to make such a big impact. And it's been so, such a pleasure watching this stage and what you've gone through and the growth you've gone through. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.